Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Uh, a lot of crazy stuff, funny stuff. You find out the buddy of the elf thinks everything's better with syrup poured on top of it. Don't tell your children. They might want you to try that. Even spaghetti. But what was the real thing? The whole movie, this whole concept was about this guy named Buddy the Elf who left the North Pole. Why? Because he wanted to find his father. You know what I find in our culture today? We have father issues. There's certain things that, that, that we're dealing with because we don't know who our father is. Because we're dealing with some connections there. That's the whole thing that started that movie. Let's look at this verse. And I think this is so important. We're going to come back to this. But this is great encouragement for us. And a great point to start. Let's look at John chapter 1 and verse number 12. John 1, 12. What do we read here? We read this. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, the right to become what? Children of God. We need to understand what that means. We need to recognize what's going on with that. We find in America today, very conservatively speaking, one out of every three children are living in a home without their father. It's become the pattern of where we are in America. One out of every three. Some, the dad's never been there. Some, they're separated by divorce. We get to search. We understand about somebody saying, I've got to find out about my father. I need to know who he is. Now, absentee fatherism is a, it is a very delicate subject. So I want to make sure you understand. I'm not going to make light of this. I'm going to treat it with respect and compassion but really, it's become too big an issue for us to ignore. And during this time of year when people are, 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 are dealing with uh, a lot of issues, it's important, I believe, that we look to God and find some direction. What about people searching to find their father? Everyone's unique. Every family has different circumstances. Uh, and you know, not all fathers who are estranged from their children are separated because of the father's choice. There are a lot of statistics. There's a lot of uh, situations. Everything is unique. But here's what we need to understand. If you're dealing with father issues, if you're trying to get together over that, if you are trying to deal with some things in your life, one thing we know for sure, you're not alone today. And another thing we know for sure, if you are a child when those issues happen, and it's not your fault. It's not something that you did. So where do we go from here? The fact that it's not my fault, the fact I was a child, the fact that, that, that a lot of people deal with it is all true, but pastor, how do I get some help with this? How does this impact my life? Many adults still trying to grapple with this and come to grips. Someone told me today after the first service that, pastor, I thought I forgave my father 20 years ago. They said, but every time I heard a message on fathering or forgiveness, family, I would weep and weep. But last year, I had an encounter with God, this, this grown man. And he said, I dealt with something, and I realized by the grace of God, I settled that issue in my life. And he said, this morning, as you shared this message, I didn't cry, I didn't weep. I wasn't hurting. I didn't feel a void. I was thankful God has done something in my life. And God has that available for us today. And that's where I want to bring you to. You see, if we, we need to realize how incredibly valuable you are to God. The verse we shared with our giving today, for God so loved the world, God so loved you, that he gave his only begotten son. I've been told that the value of something can only be established by what someone's willing to pay for it. 
You may think something's worth a lot of money, but until somebody pays you for something, you don't know how much it's worth. And we have to get our arms around that and come to understand that. We may be dealing with some issues with our fathers, but we need to know we're valuable in the eyes of God. So today, what do we want to do? I want to help you. I want to bring hope in your life. I want you to begin to receive some healing and not just survive, but begin to flourish in your life. Begin to move to a new level and a new place. Here's what I understand from years of pastoring, from years of working with people, not just theory, but real people in real situations. If I had to summarize this father issue, when, when uh, the father's absent, I can tell you one of the greatest struggles that people have is their identity. And you know, in our culture today, I think we have a collective broken identity. Identity is so important. Who am I? Identity and affirmation is a critical loss when, when there's father issues in our life. Hey, but before we go any further, let's take a minute and celebrate all the single moms that are doing such a great job. Come on, let's celebrate these ladies here today. You, you know, watch these moms. And many of them, they're working another job. They're, they're, they're doing everything they can. These ladies, they, they may have been abandoned. or they may have Someone may have left them. But I'm going to tell you, these ladies are smart. And they're strong, and, 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 and they, they do such an incredible job. And, and I watch them, uh, as I look at families, as I read God's Word, as I, as I watch families, and I watch moms, these single moms, and, and moms do their thing, I can tell you, ladies, there is something that's unique in God's design for a mother. There are two things you do better than anybody else. In the midst of your working and your intellect and your, your, all the things you do. When I look at a mom, your ability to nurture and encourage, there's no equal to you. It, it's a gift. The, the nurturing and the encouragement that you give, it's amazing. And, and, and we need that. But you understand, don't you, that God's design is for mom and dad to both be there. For a mother and a father to both be present. And here's these strong, smart, intelligent ladies offering uniquely this nurture and encouragement. And when the father is present in this equation, there's something unique God designed the father to give. Mom adds this nurture and encouragement, and the father brings affirmation and identity. Now, it's not a situation of who's better, mom or dad, or who's strong or who's weak. It's about strengths. It's about putting your strengths together and, and giving that family and that child the very best. Moms, your nurturing and encouragement is unbelievable. But something in the life of a father, there's a God-given design for a father to provide that affirmation and that, that identity. You see, without affirmation and identity in our lives, I can tell you, there's a void there. We start searching. We start looking. There's something I'm, I'm needing to put in place. W without affirmation and identity, it impacts us emotionally. It impacts us as we develop. It impacts our spiritual journey and our physical journey. So I have some understanding for us today and some hope for us today. If you've dealt with that, can somebody say amen? Say, Pastor, I'm ready for some hope. What do I do? Well, let's look at this for a minute. God, who's our Heavenly Father, uh, the father of all. What makes him father? Because he's the source. He's the originator. He is the God who has created us. He's the God who is the author of life. And, and, and that flows from him. Genesis says that we were created in his image. 
And again, there's something unique in the design of a father that God uses that father to give his children identity and affirmation. Let me, let me illustrate it like this. In the Old Testament, the, there was this process. The Jews, the, the Hebrews, God's people. Something very important that couldn't, couldn't be shifted or changed. When a child was born. Now, come on ladies, here you go again. Mom's doing all the work, right? Somebody say amen. You know, a child is born. And they, they, they take the child and they bring the child immediately to her or his father. So the father's presented his child at birth. At that moment, it's the father's responsibility. He names the child. Now, I want you to understand, we, we don't get this today. I mean, we, we take a lot of time in naming a child, or some people do. And, and, you know, man, it becomes now it's like an odyssey. You know, you go on Pinterest, and then you Google, and then you... You go, what are we going to name her? What are we going to name him? And then we try to name him or her something nobody else ever named a child. And sometimes you get a little cray-cray. You give him a name. There's a reason nobody ever named him that, you know. Okay, anyway. So, but, you know, it's, it's kind of a deal. And, and we don't want people to know what the name is because they want to copy my name. None of that. Listen, this was an incredible spiritual moment. The baby's put in the father's hand. And the whole family waits because that father's going to name that child. And in the Hebrew family, that father understood he was standing before God. And God had given him stewardship over this child. And when he named the child, it had nothing to do with really earthly things. The father had been praying. The father was very aware of what he was now assuming in his responsibility. And as they named this Hebrew baby, the father literally declared or prophesied the plan, the purpose, and the identity of that child. Their name carried everything they were and they were to be. That father affirmed and identified that child immediately. Everyone took that name. Everyone recognized that name. Every name had a spiritual connotation. So as the father named that child, the family immediately began to celebrate. Our daughter will be this. Our son will be this. It was a powerful thing. It was the identity given as the Father said, I affirm you and I identify you. Think about it as we look at Scripture. You realize that Satan, who is the thief, right, has always been about stealing your identity. Because he knows men and women, boys and girls, teenagers that have a sense of identity have a sense of purpose. Do you realize that if you don't know who you are, you will never know why you are? Do you know that identity always precedes purpose? I have to come to an understanding to know who I am before I'll ever realize why God put me here. And so what does Satan do? Think about it as we read through Scripture, as we, we, we look at these moments. Think about Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What happened to them? We know that the nation of Israel had continually turned their backs on God. They had disobeyed and disobeyed and rebelled where God finally said, I'm going to remove my hand. I'm not going to protect you anymore. I can't, I can't be codependent with your rebellion. And so for the first time, their nation is overcome and Babylonians come in and thousands of, of Jews were taken to be slaves in Babylon. And Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel were three of these. The Bible says in Daniel 1, they were royalty. 
They were young men from the highest levels. They had potential and purpose. But what's the first thing they did to them in Babylon? They renamed them. They hijacked their identity. They brought them in and their, their Jewish names were names like this. God is my strength. God is my provider. My God is the one whom I worship. And they gave them these foreign Babylonian names which were counterfeit substitutes. They were blasphemy in the eyes of God. They were named these kind of names. Baal, the God of death and fire. He is the God I trust. On and on. Do you understand that Satan always wants to steal your identity? He hates who God designed you to be. Listen, why does he hate who God designed you to be? Because he fears the person God designed you to be. He's always after your identity. It starts very young. Think about Joseph, who was the youngest of his brothers at that time. And his father made a mistake by showing him favoritism, by loving him more than his brothers, and they knew that. His father made, had someone make a beautiful coat for him. And that day your outer garment was significant of your position. It was an outer picture of your identity in the family. And they hated that coat. They hated what it represented. It was his identity. You remember the day they, did, they were going to kill him and they decided to sell him as a slave. What did they do? They ripped that coat to pieces and destroyed it. Why? Because the devil wants your identity. It's a, it's a fundamental issue in life. It's the search. It's what Buddy was searching for. It's what you and I are searching for. He, he, he wants to steal that. So we must understand somewhere. In the midst of a situation that may not be perfect, who am I? What is my identity? Can I tell you something? If I'm going to pull one parallel out of that crazy elf movie, this is what I was thinking about. You know, Buddy was really not an elf. (laughs) Buddy uh, had been adopted, I guess, by the elves or such a thing because he'd been abandoned by his father. And for a while he was okay, but what began to happen to Buddy in the movie? He outgrew everyone. Remember, he's in that little house, he'd bump his head on the ceiling and He'd try to sit on his father's lap. He'd break the chair. You know what's happening to Buddy? And it's probably happening to you if you've got father issues. Somewhere along the way, he began to realize, I'm too big for this counterfeit circumstance I'm living in. And I pray today down in your soul, there's something beating in your heart that says, I'm bigger than where I'm living right now. God has more for me than where I am right now. I'm not confined to this. This isn't who I am. There's got to be more to me than this. And and that's what's happening. We see the need for affirmation and identity. I love this verse, Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Notice this father-son relationship. Watch what God the Father does. Here's the example. Now, I love this because this is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He had not preached a sermon yet. He hadn't earned anything. He wasn't on the performance plan. This is relationship. Watch this. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting on him. And in one sentence, watch the Father. The next verse. In a voice from heaven, the Father said, what did he say? This is my Son, whom I love. With him, I'm well pleased. In one sentence, he validated him. In one sentence, he affirmed him. In one sentence, he identified him. Can I tell you something today? I don't know what your father issue is. And I sure don't make light of it because it can be so traumatic and difficult as you grow up. But I have some really good news for you today. You have a heavenly father 
who is greater than all the mistakes of an earthly father. And when he looks at you, this is what he said. This is my daughter. This is my son. This is the one that I love. I want you to know I am pleased with you. It is You didn't earn it, not because you deserve it. Can I tell you something today? Your father loves you. Your father identifies you. And can I tell you something that may shock you? Everyone may have told you all your life, you don't measure up. You're not enough. You can't do this. You can't do that. God is pleased with you. Aren't you thankful for the affirming love of your heavenly father today? But here's when I recognize pastoring and counseling and, and, and working with God's wonderful people and, and walking through real life together. That here in this part of the country, most of us understand the fatherhood of God to some degree. We know enough about him to know he's my heavenly father. We, we know his title. We know who he is. We know a lot about him. But the disconnect, although we know a lot about God and we know who he is, listen, our problem is we don't know who we are. See, we understand who he is. But there's a disconnect from our Father in heaven and his sons and daughters on this earth. We're struggling with the fallacies of humanity and not catching the glory of who God is. We, we don't know who we are. We're disconnected. See, everyone, whether you're a believer or not a believer, whether you have faith or don't have faith, at some point in your life, you, you grapple with these questions. Who am I? Why am I here? What did God put me on this earth to do? See, knowing, knowing God's where it begins, that's good. That's a good beginning. But I want to help you with something. If you're dealing with father issues, if you never had affirmation, you're struggling with who your identity is, i got to help you. It's good to start with knowing who God is. But it's never going to be enough until out of that relationship, you begin to understand who you are. How does God see me? What does God think about me? How does God value me? Who am I to God? Am I his daughter? Am I his son? Does he call me by name? Is he proud of me? Is he pleased with me? Does he love me? You have to come to a revelation of that. You have to begin to understand, I'm not who people say I am. I'm who God says I am. I'm not what you named me or didn't name me. I'm who God named me. I'm not forsaken. I'm chosen. I'm not alone. He's with me. He's not against me. He's for me. Are you with me in this? See, until that revelation happens in your life, until that encounter occurs, let me help you with something you may be dealing with. Until you really understand, I am love. I am accepted. I am chosen. I am with my Father. Until you come to that, you're going to battle with something. Because if we're not understanding how the Father loves us, then our understanding of who we are is only with our earthly Father. Now, if that's a good thing, it's good. But if you're struggling, what do you do? Well, see, we, our trouble is without this revelation of who we are in Christ, we just see ourselves as a daughter or a son of a struggling father. Our image of fatherhood is absenteeism or addiction or a lie. Instability. Not there for me. And here's the trouble with that. If that's how we live life, if that's our concept of fatherhood, then, then what I have to be honest with you is all you see in your future is this image in your mind 
of that's what you're going to be someday. See, until we begin to understand who the Father is, the Heavenly Father, and how He loves us, then my future is to a great degree tied to the image of who my earthly father is, his weakness, his failure. And so we begin to live our life and our concept of who we are is right here. I'll never be more than he was. I'll always do what he did. I'll always say what he said. I'll always react like he did. Why should I try so hard? That's who I am. We give up easier. We give in easier. We walk away. We quit because our standard of who we are is the one who went before us. But if you have a one-on-one relationship with Jesus Christ and you encounter the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit and you begin to see yourself through His eyes, you begin to recognize, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm chosen by the Father. I'm loved by the Father. I, I could give you 300 different verses, but I pulled up just a few. You've got to begin to understand who are you in the eyes eyes of God. What do you see here? What's the message? What's the heart of God in your life? Now, right now, somebody has, has messed with my phone and put something on here, but don't worry. Uh, I, I, I can get back to my stuff. Here it is. Listen, this is what God says. The God, what did we read in John chapter 1 and verse 12? You have the right to be called a child of God. I want you to say, I'm a child of God. I have a right to say I'm a child of God. You know, and when you have Thanksgiving and, and Christmas uh, and you got a lot of people in the house more than usually eat, remember when you were a kid, they had a kid's table? Remember the children's table? Here's a smaller one and all the adults are sitting here and, you know, the turkey's on the adult table. And, and you're over here on the kid's table. Remember when you finally went up to the adult table? See, can I tell you something? Step up to the adult table today. You're a child of God. You're a child of God. You, you belong. And, and, oh, let me work on a little bit. You're a branch of the true vine. He's, a, he's the vine and you're the branch. Come on, let me say, say, me and God are just like this. Come on, tell the truth. Me and God are just like this. Drop the name. He's your daddy. In fact, look at somebody and say, who's your daddy? Go ahead and ask them right now. Anybody ask you who's your daddy? What did you say? God the Father who's chosen me, who loves me, who's pleased with me, who likes me. And listen, this is what the Bible says about you. Your old self has been crucified and buried. Come on. And you're no longer a slave to sin. You're not condemned by God. You've been set free from the law of sin and death. You're a child of God, a fellow heir with Christ. You're accepted by Christ. Listen to me. Called to be a saint. You have wisdom. You have righteousness. You have sanctification. You have redemption. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are joined with the Lord and you are one. The, your mind has been renewed. Anybody with me? I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I am one with him. I'm not a slave. I'm a child. I'm an heir. I'm set free. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. I am chosen. I am holy. I am blameless. I am accepted. I'm an overcomer. I'm a conqueror. I'm predestined to have an inheritance. I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit. I I am one in Christ. I'm seated in heavenly places with Jesus. I am his workmanship. I am a masterpiece. I am brought near to God. I'm a member of his body. I have boldness and confidence to access God through Christ. My new self is righteous and holy. I was formerly in darkness, but now I am light in the Lord. I am a citizen of heaven. The peace of God guards my mind and my heart. God supplies 
all my needs. I'm complete in Christ. I'm raised up with Christ. My life is hid with Christ. I will be revealed with Him in glory. I am chosen. I am loved. I am on and on and on. You have to know who you are through the eyes of God. Now, the devil wants to steal that. So you're going to have to do some of this. Get this word out and take those verses. You can Google them just like I did. And get your Bible and mark them. Or get your phone and win that voice that has screamed in your ears all your life. Every time you tried to take a step of faith, he screamed at you. You don't know who you are. Every time you applied for a better job and he said, you don't have what it takes. Every time you dreamed about another degree and he said, you can't make it. You better get the word of God and begin to walk it and read it and say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My God is for me and not against me. I have the wisdom of God coursing through my life. I have the rights of a child of God. And until that revelation comes to you, you're going to have some father issues. We're going to struggle with the inadequacies of a father who may have missed his moment. What does the word say? What am I going to do? What do I understand from God? Once that revelation comes to us, can I help you? Your potential is uncapped. The limits come off of you. You don't become cocky and arrogant. You become confident and thankful. How many heard what I said? You stop walking with your head down and you start walking with your head up looking for the next opportunity God's going to bring in your life. You stop moving to the back. You stop giving up on yourself. You stop walking in fear. You begin to say, I have a purpose in my life. I see gifts in my life. I'm going to develop these gifts. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to reach for it. I'm going to step out of the crowd. You stop walking in fear. You stop looking over your shoulder. You stop sabotaging yourself because you're afraid you can't succeed. And you just go for it. You reach for it. You reach out for it. I'm going to tell you, God has a plan for you today. Your Father is with you. He's for you. Confidence is in your life. See, we, we, it starts with relationship. It starts with relationship. He's my Father. I know Him. I just don't know about Him. I know Him. I'm his daughter. I'm his son. I have a right to call on his name. I'm in his will. I'm at his table. He knows my name. I'm, I'm in a relationship with him. I have his word on it. I, I begin to understand how much he loves me. No more counterfeits. Come on, no more counterfeits. No more counterfeits. It's not performance-based. Did you get that? And you stop spinning your wheels and wasting your time with people that you've got to prove to them that you love them. It's not anymore, I love you if. I love you as long as. I'll love you until. No more of that. You don't need it because you're loved by the Father. We're no more vulnerable to know who we are. Why do we have such confusion in our culture today? It's not hard to figure that out because people don't know who they are. Don't have identity. Listen, if I don't have an identity, I can, go eat. I can, I can be convinced of anything. If I don't know who I am in Christ, then, then, then I can be led astray for anything. I'm walking in a void. I'm vulnerable. I, I'm, I'm an easy target. Satan has stolen my identity. Why? Because he fears the purpose God has in my life. And now I become vulnerable to be pushed and led and directed and pressured in any direction. 
I don't know who I am. I don't know how to walk. I, I, I settle for a counterfeit. I struggle with my identity. I, I, I don't know who I am. But, but look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. I, I love this. 1 John 3 and verse 2. It, it, it's an amazing affirmation. Look at this. Dear friends, someone say now. Now we are what? Children of God. Look at this. And what we will be has not yet been made known. Come on, look at somebody and do it with faith and mean it. Look at them and say, the best is yet to come. Come on, tell them that right now. Best is yet to come. What we will be has not yet been made known. Look at this. But we know when Christ appears, look at this. We shall be like him. (laughs) For we shall see him as he is. Dear friends, now we are children of God. You know, a church, I don't know if we truly get this, but you need to. We call each other brother and sister, don't we? Because it's kind of a churchy thing. It was older. Some of you, you don't hear it as much. But you used to go to church, and all the old timers, everybody's brother and sister, right? Brother and sister. I can tell how many people, it's okay, because I love being your brother. I can, tell, I can tell what people call me by how long they've been in church, you know, because they call me Brother Sawyer. That's cool. I love being your brother. But for a lot of people, that means pastor or what happened, brother. You know, in church, honestly, you could get by with forgetting everybody's name. You can just pull the brother or sister card out, right? You you can't remember. You got no idea who they are. Hey, brother, good to see you. You couldn't give me his name for $100. Hey, sister, I'm glad you're here today. But that's okay. That's all right. But I want you to think about that term, brother and sister. That means a lot more than we've given it. Those aren't just titles. They're declarations. We're in the family of God. We're children of the same Heavenly Father. We've been chosen and affirmed, and we have an identity. We're a family. We belong to each other. You understand that? It means something. When you come in this place, when you, and, and I'm going to tell you, you, you know, a lot of people now are trying to be really cool. You know, well, you know, you don't have to have a church. Well, I guess you know more than Jesus, don't you? Somebody got to say it. I just did. You want me to say it again? You know, it's kind of cool. Well, you know, I don't need to go to church. and I can just stay home. But no, yeah. You know what? You, you, that's all about you. <laughs> but you got a family. You need to go to church. Yes, you do need to go to church. You need to hear the word. You need to know who your family is. You need what a church brings that you can't do by yourself. The church needs you, and you need the church, see? And what happens, we come together, and we begin to look at the family. Look at the family of God. Man, It's beautiful. And we begin to realize, wait, you really are my brother. You really are my sister. We're in the family of God. God put us together. L- listen to me. I want to help you with some things here. I know wh- who, where we are, and I know I'm in the South, and I know the political environment we're in today, but, but I don't really care. I care about the Word. And I, w- I want to tell you something. Listen to me. Uh, a, black and, a black man and a white man that are Christians are more a brother than two white men are that aren't Christians. Okay, I didn't know if you got that. All right, let me try over here. A black woman and a white woman who are both believers are more sisters than two black women that don't know who Jesus is. See, because we become one in God. We, we belong. We're in this thing. Everybody get what I'm talking about here? See, see, we're the family of God. We are brothers and sisters. We serve the living God. I'm thankful to be in the family today. What about you? I'm thankful to belong to the family of God. You're my brother. 
You're my sister. Listen, you're not a, we're not aliens. Satan always wants to get our identity. Do you know that Satan, do you know one of the last places that's really integrated in America is the church? Do you know there's, there's more integration on Sunday morning than on Monday at the school or in the workplace? Why? Because the devil always wants to steal our identity. And our identity is not just red and yellow, black and white. Our identity is brothers and sisters in Christ, that we belong to him. And when you see the church, you're supposed to see the heart of the Father. We're brothers. We're sisters. Don't let him steal our identity. If he can't do it that way, he does it with religious stuff. Well, I'm this denomination. I'm that denomination. We believe this. We believe that. Isn't it a crazy that the devil has been pretty successful at stealing the identity of God's church? But we are here to say today that we love God and we love each other. We belong together. We're the family of God. We are his chosen people. Thank God for the blessing and the goodness of God. Single moms, I've got big hope for you today. There may not be a father in that house right now. But I'm going to tell you there's a father in the house of God. And I'm here to tell you today that there is something valuable. Mom, if you can get hold of the fact that you're his daughter, that you belong to him, that you are chosen and beautiful and powerful and smart and righteous and holy and good and wise. If you get that and you can begin to affirm that in your children, God's going to do something and bring them to church with you and let them see some godly men and godly leaders and godly families and godly homes and let them walk in this place and let the little white child see a black man who loves him and blesses him and sets an example and let the little black child walk in and see a white man that blesses him and affirms him and let that little girl walk in and be celebrated for who she is and they begin to put their little shoulders back and and walk through this life and the devil is a liar and he can't steal what God is blessed under the anointing of God truthfully children don't belong to the parents they belong to God truthfully they belong to God and he's put them in our life and given us a stewardship that only by his grace and spirit that we are to live in front of them in such a way that we help them understand in a small way, this heavenly family, that there's a great and mighty God who is the goodness, the source of everything good they know. We walk that out. I want to show you something because I want us to pray together. I don't want you to miss this. And, 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 and I'm pushing myself a little earlier. But I want you to go to Genesis 35 and verse 16. I want to show this to you here. So dynamic, it's so powerful. Genesis 35 and verse 16. Go slow with these guys, and, and I'll, I'll ask you when I want to move to the next one. Look at this Genesis 35, verse 16. Then they moved on from Bethel. While they were still some distance from Epaphrath, Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. Genesis 35, stay there. Not every birth. In this world is celebrated. Some babies came in this world in really difficult situations. Some babies were born and mom was in stress. Some babies, babies have been born and dad wasn't there. 
I can tell you half the abortions in America would not have occurred if the man who'd fathered that child had been there to tell that young girl, I'm going to be with you. You're not by yourself. Yeah, I'm not going to walk off and leave you. I'm, you. You got somebody. I'm with you. But not every birth was easy. Not everybody came in this world in a celebrated circumstance. There was some difficulty. There was some grind. Are you with me? There was some fear. So she's difficult. Let's go to the next verse. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, Don't despair, for you had another son. Now leave it there. This actually happened, but it represents something to us. I want you to know, guys, listen to me, that hurting people hurt people. That broken people sometimes break people. People that haven't understood who they are in Christ. And who the Father is. Sometimes don't know how to help those who come behind them. People can only be who they are. And sometimes we take our pain and we put it on those who come behind us. And sometimes life has been difficult and people transfer their scars onto the children that should have had a different beginning. Are you with me? So let's go to verse 18. And she breathed her last, for she was dying. She named her son Ben-Oni. Let's stop there. Again, this literally happens, but what does it say to us today? This mom had reached the end of herself. She had done all that she could do. Her hope was crushed. Her dreams were crushed. She was over with. Life was done for her. But here's a little boy. And she named this boy Ben-Oni. Ben is... The Hebrew word for son, oni, means sorrow. What a name. As she was dying in her difficulty, she put a name on that boy. Son of my sorrow. Child of my grief. Man of pain. Little one of rejection. What a way to start your life. What a tough way to get going. What a hard way to live when your family said, you're not going to make it. You're a pain to us. You're a problem to me. We didn't plan on you. There's no space for you. We don't know how to feed you. We don't know who's going to take care of you. And that little child with no fault of its own steps in this world named for the pain of the people before him. But there's some good news for every single mom today. There's some good news for every child without a father today. There's some good news for every father who's trying to get over what his father didn't do. Because you see in that moment, there was another person in the, in the equation. The father walked into that birthing place. And as he walked in, he heard the mother say, name him Ben O'Ne. And the father said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I have rights in this situation. I'm going to walk into this moment and I'm going to cancel the curse that was put on this boy and I'm going to rename him and I call him Benjamin. Benjamin means son of my strength, son of my right hand. I want you to know today the 
heavenly father has the power, the right, the authority to step into the life of a fatherless child and cancel the curse and say, you're my boy. You're my daughter. I love you. I'm pleased with you. I'm not done with you. I'm greater than all the things life has done. And the Bible says when God blesses, the curse is broken in that moment. I believe today there is healing for every fatherless child. I believe there's redemption and restoration for every moment that broke us as we live. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.